in a series uh, that uh, I'm about to introduce to you, the second part of the series. But the theme for this year is getting used to different. The Holy Spirit has really dealt with me. We have to get used to different. All of us are wanting to go back to the way things were. I don't know when or if that will ever happen. But I do know this. With God, different is never worse. It's always better. I need somebody to say that. Different with God is better. Would you do that right now? Different with God is better. Amen. Whenever God changes things, trust me. He doesn't serve the best wine first. He serves the best wine last. And different with God is always an improvement. And I want you to know that that is how God operates. That's just how God rolls, ladies and gentlemen. You stick with God, things get better in your life. But the verse that I felt impressed to use this year is our theme scripture. I want them to put it on the screen. God is telling Israel this in the middle of the desert. And they're getting ready to go to their promised land. And God says, you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. Like, wow. And that defies all of the circumstances around them. That verse does. That promise does. Because you can't ever tell what God's getting ready to do on the basis of what you're going through right now. You should never limit God in terms of what he's about to accomplish due to your present circumstance. And it is with this in mind that I'm turning to Psalms 105. I introduced a new series that we're in last Sunday entitled Momentum. Momentum. All of us love momentum. All of us enjoy momentum in our relationships, our marriages, our families. We, we love momentum in our finances. We love momentum in our ministries. We, we just love momentum because it's so good to be going in the right direction and, and to be picking up momentum and acceleration as you go because momentum means that things get easier. But you see, We came up in a world that is a fallen world. It's ruled by a fallen Lord. We are part of a fallen race called humanity. Until we get redeemed and brought into the kingdom of God, all of our experiences have been the opposite of what I, I just got through telling you. In the old world, there's something called the laws of thermodynamics. And one of those laws is the law of entropy. And it says that the longer something exists, the worse it gets. It goes into decline and decay. A house left untended will need to be painted after a while. Your yard will go crazy with weeds. That's just the way it is. Eventually a roof will leak. Car will break down. Why? Because of entropy. In the kingdom of God, the reverse of that happens. I need you to understand the longer you walk with God, the better things get and the greater, the greater are the opportunities that are coming your way. And that's why God could make this statement to Israel. Israel is analogous to what happens when you come into the kingdom and you get saved. You are brought out of Egypt, right? You go through the Red Sea and Paul said they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And so going through the Red Sea was a metaphor for being baptized. And that cloud was a metaphor for them being baptized in the spirit. So here's what happens. You come out of Egypt, the land of bondage, the old life. You come through into the kingdom of God. You're born again. And then you're on your way to your promised land. And I'm not talking about heaven. Because I want you to understand that promised land is the better life that God wants you to have right here. Amen. There is a heaven. This is not it. So we will always have problems. But listen up. I want you to know, because this is so important, 
That the Bible is not just about what happens after you die. You know, that's what some folk think. Now, I'll get, when I get old and weak and they diagnose me with a terminal illness and I've got three weeks to live, I'm going to get baptized and get saved. No, no, you're mistaken. The Bible is about living the best life you can possibly find right now while you're still alive. Amen. It's not, it's not just about pie in the sky when you die in the sweet by and by. But like they say, something sound on the ground can be found while you're still around. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's right. And so God tells Israel in this promised land, you're going to have to get rid of the old. There's going to be so much blessings coming your way. You're going to have to clean out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. Well, we'd all like to get there like, you know, five minutes ago. <laughs> Be great if it could happen. Lord, there's, it is in your word. I read it. I'm waiting. Where is it, Lord? Two minutes have already gone by. I hadn't seen it yet. Because we treat the promises of God like the drive through window at McDonald's. In Psalms 105, there is a synoptic overview that is given us of the nation of Israel from its beginning with Abraham through Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons, 12 tribes. Jacob gives birth to his favored, or has his favored son, his wife does, gives, and he is the father of Joseph and Joseph gets sold into slavery, carried down into Egypt. And as you read this chapter, you will see all of this unfold from Abraham to Jacob to Isaac all the way through. And it then picks up, and I'm about to read it, with Joseph. But it, for your information, in case you're interested, the chapter doesn't stop with Joseph. It goes all the way through until they finally reach their promised land. That one chapter, synoptic overview from Abraham to promised land. But I want to pick up. In Psalms 105, verse 17, where it's talking about Joseph. He sent a man before them, that is before Jacob and the family. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. It's referring to, he sent Joseph before the family when the famine came. You couldn't see the reason for Joseph being in Egypt when everything was going well, but boy, when once the famine showed up, it started making sense. And they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. How many of you have a word from God about your life and your future that hasn't been fulfilled yet? Any promises in this building that you're holding on to? Anybody have any promises? Give God a praise if you've got promises that you're holding on to. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Because that word tests you every day. Because you're in this circumstance, but God said, you're going to be over here being blessed. And you say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't look like that right now. That word tests you. Are you going to hold on to that word? Or are you going to revise your outlook on the basis of your present situation? The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go. That's Pharaoh. He made him lord of his house and the ruler of all of his possessions. To bind his princes at his pleasure. And teach his elders wisdom. Joseph went in one day from the dungeon to second in command in all of the mighty empire of Egypt. Wow. My subject today is momentum. Getting through the process. Getting through the process. Father, I thank you for your incredible word that is a... Source of inspiration and strength. It gives me direction. It gives me encouragement. It gives me strength. 
As the writer said, it is more necessary for me than my daily food. And I cherish your word as we all do. Now, Lord, speak. Let me hide behind the cross for the next few minutes. And let your word talk to every person by visiting them where they are right now in their lives. And you apply that word to what they're going through in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hallelujah. Shout it out loud. Hallelujah. Momentum. Getting through the process. Boy, we love momentum. You don't call it the big mo for nothing. When momentum is going in your direction and in your favor, there's nothing any better than that. Let me show you what momentum is like. Have you ever stopped to help somebody whose car was stalled at maybe a traffic signal or in the middle of the road and they needed help trying to get the car over to the shoulder? You know how hard it was to get the car moving? That happened just the other day, literally. And I got out, I was at my my little spot where I stop for a Coke Zero every day and, and that's Whataburger right down the road. And as I had gone through the drive-thru and was coming out, there was a truck turning into the drive and he stalled right there on that little incline ramp coming up into the Whataburger parking lot. And so I pulled over and got out of my vehicle and he was distressed and someone else did. And together we got behind the the vehicle and, and he was standing there pushing on the frame of the door with one hand and trying to steer with the other. And we put our shoulders and our strength into it and began to really push and slowly, so slowly at first the wheels began to turn because we had to fight to get up that ramp and then we started picking up a little bit of speed and then you didn't have to lean with your feet way out behind you while you're pressing like this you could now walk upright and just keep a steady momentum steady pressure on the back of the truck and we got him pushed over to the side until he could get help if you've ever done that you know how hard it is to get momentum started Once it gets going, it's so much easier. And do you know the same thing is true about every aspect of life? It's true about your relationship with God. If you just have recently become a convert, I want you to know this. Just because you got saved doesn't make things automatically easier in your life. Doesn't. Amen. I remember so vividly when I got saved. Went to church one night. And a revival meeting was filled with the Holy Spirit. Next morning, woke up, covers twisted around my legs. And I woke up and I'm kind of still half in a, a sleep daze. And, and I thought, well, you know, I feel different. What happened? And, oh, yeah, man, I went to church last night. Whoa, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I'm a believer now. And the, I found out that though I was different, the enemy was still the same. Oh, he announced his presence right away. Oh, you didn't really get any Holy Spirit last night. And there we go, that whole thing. And that began the process of me transitioning my mind. My spirit had just been redeemed, but now my mind needed to be renewed. I needed to get rid of that entropy that was going on and the negative programming and be filled with the positives of the word of God and the promises that God had made over my life. I had to change the way that I thought. And that doesn't happen just in a few minutes. And so some of you that are new believers, you're saying, man, I got saved and I'm looking for change. Uh, You're changed, you're redeemed, but the enemy is going to keep that old carnal nature trying to pull you back. And boy, I had to deal with all of that and you did too. Never will forget, I was a smoker. That was my big thing back then. And if you still smoke, I'm praying for you. Amen. Will it send you to hell? Somebody said, I don't know. It just makes you smell like you already been there. That's all. And, and, you know, I just, I'll say this. That was the hardest thing in the world for me to give up. 
And my old flesh kept pulling on me. And I, I come from a family where they, there used to be a cloud of cigarette smoke in the house. Y'all know what I mean? Literally a cloud of cigarette smoke. My dad smoked, my stepmother smoked. And, and after I'd moved in with, with my dad, my grandmother raised me a good portion of my life. But, but man, this cloud of smoke was there and I'm trying to quit and trying to be a child of God. And the pastor, you know, he's telling me, you got to leave this stuff aside and lay it, lay it down. I said, okay, just pray for me. And he said, I want you to go witness to some people with me. You ever do cold door knocking? Some of you that are watching this at home on Inspire Online right now, you just found us. You're saying, if that's what it takes to be a Christian, I don't know if I can handle it. I didn't know if I could either, but I loved it when we went to witness to people who were cigarette smokers. Because you could always get close and... You know, secondhand smoke was not illegal. That was not a sin. Oh boy, the flesh wants to pull you back. It's a process becoming a child of God. It's a process for you to have a good marriage. You don't get one right away. I know people say I do, but they really mean I don't. If after 30 days, it's not any better than this. You know, we all go through things. You don't join a company and overnight become supervisor or promoted to CEO. You've got to go through a process. Your finances don't get straightened out right away. You've got to go through a process. Everything in life is about processes. And that's the story of life. And creating momentum is the result of that process. It's hard when you're first pushing, but you got to keep on pushing. You can't give up. You got to keep on putting effort into it. And then after a while, it starts getting easier. Am I right? Can I hear from somebody? And the Bible is filled with the stories of those who went through the processes of creating momentum. While God does do miracles, and I believe in miracles strongly, we need one right now for Kent Brown. I want you to remember to pray for him. One of my ministry sons, been in the hospital over a month, and the doctors have said there's nothing they can do. Doctors can't, but I know a God who can. Amen. And just because, just because God does miracles doesn't mean he will always choose to do one in your life. Oh, we love miracles. We want one right now. God, I prayed. You've had 30 seconds. Has it changed yet? And that's how we often approach life. I want my marriage fixed. You know, then we'll go for counseling. You know, you got to keep working at it. Well, I have for three days. I've done my best. You know, and, and we want God to fix it all right now because we treat him like he's a drive through window, like I said, at McDonald's. But God oftentimes works in time and through processes to achieve his eternal purposes. Sometimes you just have to walk it out. And this was the case with Joseph. Years in prison from being favored son to being betrayed and hated by his brother, sold into slavery, betrayed again in Potiphar's house and lied on, thrown into the dungeon. But in one day, 12 hours, God elevated him. Because if you walk through the process, God is faithful. Can I hear somebody say amen? And so being in the process is the secret to moving forward. The process prepares you for what God has in store for you. We want to have it right now without being changed. God, it's my circumstances that need to be changed, not me. I'm good, God. I'm fine. And God says, mm, not so much. You could use a little improvement. Because if I bless you right now and you take the present you into the future that I have prepared for you, you'll mess that up. 
How many of you have known people that got blessed? It would have been better for them had they never been blessed because they were walking with God as long as they had to struggle. But when everything got good, all of a sudden they forget about God. That's what the Bible said. Jeshua waxed fat and kicked. He was blessed. And then he got to where he was rambunctious and forgot about God. Didn't need God anymore. Important principle, remember this, elevation without preparation will inevitably result in cancellation. You didn't hear me. Elevation without preparation results in cancellation. You never want God to have to stop blessing you because you couldn't handle his blessings. You want to be prepared for what he's about to do. I want to give you several important observations about processes. Number one, you can't see the end of the process while you're still in the middle of it. While you're still in the process, you will often wonder what is going on. That's why Israel kept messing up in the wilderness. God tells them, I'm bringing you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Houses you didn't build, wells you didn't dig. Borns that you didn't feel that are already filled with plenty. And we'll give it all to you. And they look around and say, doesn't look like it here in this desert to me. And they kept messing up. And that is why repeatedly you will find that they debated about We ought to go back to Egypt. At least there we had fish and we had garlics and we had leeks. And can you imagine? They were trying to go forward looking over their shoulder. Bad mistake. You can't enter your future while you're still looking at your past. Somebody give God some praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to do this. I do this every few years, but just you're driving. Get your hands out there on the steering wheel. Come on, let's drive. Now then, do this. You know what you just did? You had a wreck. I've been rear-ended eight times. I know all about people doing this. If you want to advance into your future destiny, don't spend all of your time looking over your shoulder at the challenges and the problems and the failures in your life. Joseph had to keep his eyes fixed on the future promise of God because he had a word from God like you've got a word from God. And that word will test you in the middle of your circumstance. Number two, to work through the process requires that you trust the one who designed the process. Oh, that's so important. Because one reason for the process is to teach you that God is faithful. You see, people might not be. Your boss might not be, your family might not be, you may feel like your church let you down, but God is faithful no matter what you go through. He is a friend that stays closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise today. You can trust God. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalms 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not waiting till I die to see the promises of God come to pass. Because that would discourage me if the only hope I had was for something to happen after I died. I'd lose all hope. But I'm trusting God to fulfill his promises while I'm still alive. I want to tell you the one thing that I've learned in these years of serving God. If there's one thing that I've learned and I've made mistakes along the way. We all do. But I've learned this. God is faithful. I need somebody to shout hallelujah. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. 
God will never let you down. God will never abandon you. God will never forget you. He will never walk away. God can be trusted. In the middle of your dilemma, you can trust God. Listen to what Job said in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh my God, have mercy. If God himself takes my life, it's okay, Job is saying, because I know this about God. He's so faithful that if he takes my life right now, it's because he's got something better for me. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise in this place. Bless his name. Our problem is that we don't do what Joseph did and keep our eyes on the future promise. When we get tested, And the word God has given us begins to test us because the circumstances are not like what God's promises to us are supposed to be. We say, I wonder if I heard from God. Maybe God didn't mean it. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe it's because God sees my flaws and failures. Maybe God doesn't hear my prayer. Maybe I was imagining God said that. Maybe that promise is for somebody else. Joseph refused to do that. You know what you got to do? Hebrews 11.27 says this. By faith, he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You got to keep your eyes focused on what other people cannot see. You're not hearing me. Everybody else is saying cold weather, burst pipes. I've got buckled floors in my house right now and still have a leak. But you know what I've got to do in the middle of this? I can choose to get focused on the problem or I can see him who is invisible. You hold on to God. Number three. To receive the benefit of the promise, you must commit to and be submitted to the process. Sorry, to receive the benefit of the process, I meant to say. You must commit and be submitted to the process. The process will not work if you don't. Hmm. Okay. You don't commit to it and stay in it. The process will not give you what the process was intended to give you. Psalms 37 and verse 5, commit your way. Everybody say commit. Come on, shout it out. Commit. Commit. Come on, commit. Commit. You know what commit means? It means to get in there and stay in there all in. 110%. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. When does God bring it to pass? When you commit your way to the Lord. You can't just kind of sort of be committed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm going to try it. Lord, you got 48 hours to turn this thing around. You believe God? Yeah, for the next 48 hours, I believe God. I can tell you right now that that's not going to work, beloved. You can't just be kind of, sort of. You got to be all in. You can't try it for a few days and then give up because things don't happen as fast as you want them to. I know people that do that. I prayed, pastor, I did. I prayed for my marriage. I prayed for three weeks and she didn't change. And God said, it wasn't her that needed to change it. And if you prayed four weeks, I would have told you that. I sowed. I tried. That pastor talked about tithes and offerings and giving. Giving. I, here's my check, Lord. One week. You got one week to get it right. And if you don't cause me to reap a harvest seven days from now, I just don't believe your word works. Partial commitment is really the same thing as a complete lack of commitment. 
Rather, you're 10% committed, 50% committed, 90% committed, 95% committed. That's still not total commitment. Number four, to commit to the process requires patience in the process. Let me go over these again. You can't see the end of the process while you're still in the middle of it. Number two, to work through the process requires that you trust the one who designed the process. And number three, to receive the benefit of the process, you must commit and be submitted to the process. But number four, to commit to the process requires patience in the process. The process helps you grow your patience. Now, confession is good for the soul. I want to see the hands of everybody here that would admit, I need a little work on my patience, Lord. I see you not raising your hand, liar, liar, pants on fire. Let me give you a little test. If you're at the stoplight and the light turns green and for three seconds, the person in front of you does not move, what do you do? Patience. Thou art a virtue. In your patience possess you your souls. You see, you don't grow a harvest in one week. Rather, that's sowing into your marriage, sowing into your career, your future, your business, your ministry. You don't, you don't receive a harvest in one week. I see that all the time in ministry. People want to to be in ministry and pastor a church. And, but you see, they're not willing to do what I did when I got started. And I hope you never have to, really. But I'd park my car on the side of the road. I'm not making this up. There's my little lady right there with two kids in the back seat, two little babies. I'd park the car on the side of the road and walk down the highway, picking up Coke bottles. Some of you that are younger don't remember, but they actually used to make them out of glass. <laughs> and you could pick them up and take them to the store and cash them in. And that's how I got gas money to go from one city to the next preaching. Folks, don't want to start there. And until you're ready to invest in your own future, why should God invest in you? God bless me. I want to get promoted on my job. Are you studying leadership? God, I want to raise. Are you going back to school? God, I want my marriage to do good. You know, wife comes in and says, they're teaching a seminar on marriage. Unless you and I go, nah, I don't need it. I just want to tell you guys something right now. That is not the way you respond if she invites you to a marriage seminar. Hello? I want to help you guys out. I'm your friend. I'm your your pastor. I'm your friend. Okay? So this is the way it works. If you come in, you're tired, you don't feel like talking, there's several words or several movements you need to master. One is, "Uh uh-huh. Another is, is that right? Inflection is important here. And while you got the remote in your hand, she doesn't even really require you turn and look at her. Just learn to say, "Uh uh-huh. You don't tell me, is that so? Really? I can save your marriage. I just added 10 years to the length of your marriage right there. You owe me. Amen. (laughs) People don't want to sow. They want it all right now. It takes years to build a strong home, a good marriage, raise a solid family. You got to teach the principles of the word of God to your children over and over and have devotions every day, every day, every day, every day before they go out to school to get their minds filled with all of the corruption of a lost world. Don't wait until they're 23 and then come say, Pastor, I don't know what's wrong with my son. Uh Uh-uh. 
You see, you don't grow a harvest in one week. And if you just started tithing, you don't grow a harvest in one week giving either or serving in one of these ministries. But I want you to know that if you keep sowing, you will reap. Amen. It's more like Chinese bamboo. Do you know about Chinese bamboo? For the first four years after you plant Chinese bamboo, it does not grow at all. You go out there for four years looking. There's not one thing sticking up above the ground. That's Chinese bamboo right there. But in the fifth year, it can grow 80 feet in one week. It grows so fast in the fifth year that it grows an inch and a half an hour. You can literally see it grow. And that's how the blessings in favor of God are. You keep sowing and then it will work. You say, what do they use that stuff for? Put this up there. They use it. It is so strong that they literally use it as scaffolding in China. That's Hong Kong. That's one of their skyscrapers. They use it instead of metal scaffolds. They use Chinese bamboo. Listen to what the scripture said. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Notice that. Every weight. That's one thing. Sin that easily ensnares us, that's another. Because each one of us have weaknesses and my weakness might not be yours and yours might not be mine. But I've got to keep the door closed. You don't ever accommodate your temptation. Hear me. Don't leave that door open. Slam it shut. Nail some boards across it. You know what I mean? Get some Yale padlocks. Get a welder out and weld a bead all around the door. Don't leave the door for the things you're weak in open in your life. But then don't go around picking up weights either that slow you down. That's distractions. I will never forget when Pastor Donnie was still on staff here. And Pastor Donnie ran the marathon here in Houston. And I asked him about it afterward. Pastor Donnie retired from full-time church ministry He said, Pastor, I'm burned out. I've had enough. Uh, And he wanted to go into hospital uh, chaplaincy, which he's so good at anyway, because he's a caregiver. And Pastor Donnie and I were talking after he ran the marathon. And I said, Donnie, tell me, how did it go? I think it was the last five miles. He said, for the last five miles, Pastor, he said, I couldn't feel my legs. It's like I, I was chopped off right here. Couldn't feel my legs. He said, but I just kept wheeling one foot out in front of the other until I finished. I congratulated him for that. Personally, I never saw the point. Now, if I'm at a zoo and the tiger gets loose, yes, I'll run. And I teased him about that. And I won't be carrying any weights either. (laughs) I'll outrun you. That's all. That's as fast as I need to run right there. Hopefully. Amen. But he and I laughed about it. He said, I couldn't feel my legs. And I just wheeled every step. Boy, that's, that's endurance. Listen to this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you run that race? You run it with endurance. And the King James word there is patience because patience is endurance and endurance is patience. You don't endure if you're not patient. You see... The psalmist said in Psalms 27, verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes you've got to wait on God, ladies and gentlemen. God.
God doesn't always give you an instantaneous miracle and I love it when he does. I've received miracles myself. You know about my back situation. God has been kind to me, but sometimes he chooses to work in time to fulfill his purposes. Number five, and I'm just about done. To succeed in the process requires faith that the process works. And do you know the one thing you turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that unbelievable hall of fame of the faithful, that glorious chapter that names all of these that overcame by their faith. Do you know the one thing that every one of those shared in that chapter that they had in common? They all believed that God would do what he promised and that their faith in God would not be disappointed. You got to hold on even when you don't feel like holding on. I wish somebody could give the Lord a shout right now. Hallelujah. Abraham believed the process would work. Isaac did. Jacob did. Moses did. Right on down through the chapter. He went out. Abraham did not even know him where he went. But by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Mm. And he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He couldn't see it, but he knew it was coming. Matthew's gospel tells us of two blind men that followed Jesus into a house one day, Matthew 9, 28. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and... Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Because they asked him for their sight. And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Wow. Did you hear that? In the process, you've got to keep on believing. Am I talking to anybody right now? You say, how do I believe? By getting more of this in your spirit. Faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. If your faith is faltering, get all the church you can. I'm going to say this again. Wednesday nights matter and inspire. Yes, they do. And I'm going to also say this again. You can get too little of the word of God, but you can't get too much of it. Give God a praise, somebody. I'm wrapping it up. Number six, don't let the enemy overcomplicate the process. Keep it simple. The enemy is always trying to do things that will overcomplicate the processes you're in. He will tell you stuff like this. Let's see. You aren't praying enough. Has he ever told anybody that in this room? You're not praying. Let me see your hand. Be honest. You're not praying enough. Oh, my God. Y'all got a different devil talking to y'all than I have talking to me. Amen. Or how about this one? You haven't fasted enough. Anybody ever tell that to you? Yeah. Or what about this? You aren't good enough. Let me see your hands. You don't deserve it. God knows your flaws, your mistakes, your weaknesses. He sees your failures. It takes you a long time before you're able to look back at the devil and say, yep, I'm everything you said. I'm made of the dust of the earth. But what you're forgetting is I'm covered by the blood of Calvary's lamb. (laughs) Hallelujah. The enemy will cause processes that should be very simple to become very complicated. Anybody remember Rube Goldberg machines from when you were a kid? Physics class. Could I see your hand? Anybody out there? Okay, I see a few of you. I'm just asking, any of y'all engineers? Because if you're engineers, engineers study stuff like this. This is a Rube Goldberg machine. Put that on the screen if you would. Guys wanting to eat, that's not a steak, that's a weight. That's his dinner piece. He's not done yet.
gravy. For the chicken leg. Ah, oh, you see it now. That's the drumstick. That's enough. <laughs> now, I would hate to be so lazy that I couldn't just pick up my fork. He put hundreds of hours into developing this machine. He overcomplicated a simple process. The enemy is constantly trying to do that to you too. Oh, you need to pray more. You're not good enough. You're not going to church enough. You didn't read enough Bible today. Why don't you tell the enemy to bug off? Amen. And that brings us to point number seven. And I'm finished with this one. You will receive pushback while you are in the process. So shout it out. Push. Come on. Do what? Push. When you have pushback, what do you do? You push back. Don't you give in to the enemy. The enemy will always resist you. Always will. Always trying to stop you, discourage you, cause you to discontinue. Why? Because he knows that like Joseph, you're in the dungeon this morning, but maybe by this evening, you'll be second in command in all of Egypt. Somebody give God some praise in the house. So what do you do when you have distractions and there's pushback? Y'all know what I mean by pushback. Anybody ever talk about you? You have any haters in your life? Have any Judases? You don't have any haters? I got a few I can loan you. Somebody said, does the devil bother you very much? I said, nah, not too much. There's such a long line. I see him in the line every now and then. I say, you're gonna have to wait your turn, devil. I got all these haters. What do you do when you have pushback? Push back, don't give up. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalms 119, 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. You know what that tells me? He's got some folk lying about him. He's got people that are talking bad about him. He said, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep on meditating on the word of God. I'm not going to be looking at the distractions. I'm not going to be picking up these extra weights. I'm going to keep running my race with patience. And that is what I say to every one of you that are here today. If you are in process, don't bail out of the processes of God. When the enemy pushes against you, push back. You keep on sowing into your marriage. You keep on sowing into your own career. You keep on sowing and investing in your own future. You keep serving. You say, oh, I tried that. I was part of the fit team. I worked as an usher. I did this. I, and you know, God never blessed me. Stay in the process. I started tithing. I didn't get anywhere. Stay in the process. I've tried that worship thing. It didn't work for me. Stay in the process. Stand to your feet if you would right now. Momentum. Anybody want momentum in their life? Anybody? Can I see your hand? You need momentum in your career? Need momentum in your... Let me just do this. Put your hands down. How many of you need momentum in your finances? Could I see your hand? Yeah. Do you know that God could just say one word and your financial situation would be completely revolutionized? Woo. How many of you need momentum in your ministry? Could I see your hand? How many of you need momentum in your relationship with God? Could I see your hand? Your prayer life, your worship. 
your study of the word of God. To the Inspire Church family that's at home or those who might have joined us online, I want you to join into what I'm about to ask next. But how many here need God in their life? Would you raise your hand? You need to give your heart to God. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. If you're sitting at home, raise your hand right where you're at in your living room. We're going to pray together. Hands going up. Could I see them again all across the building? See them in the risers. See them there. See them there. See them there in the risers. See hands here. Keep them raised for just a moment. I want to find you. God bless you and God bless you. Young man, just met you this morning. Amen. With our heads bowed, Father, I pray that you will hear the prayer of every one of these who have raised their hands, acknowledging their need of you in their life. And we ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask that you would wash us in the blood of Jesus. How I wish that we could gather around the altar and pray like we used to, but right now with this whole COVID thing, that's not possible. And so I'm praying for folk at a distance right now. And I'm asking you to save them, Lord. Save those at home with their hands raised. Save those that are here who raise their hands. Write their name in the book of life as we confess you as our Lord and Savior. And we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. And acknowledge that your blood forgives us and cleanses us of all sin and unrighteousness. Congregation. Let's welcome these that have taken their very first steps in the kingdom of God. With